Bongile Kumalo. The name of the song is? Hmm, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now what the name of that song is. Tando's Groove. That's right. Tando's Groove. I have met her, by the way. I met her on the eve, on the same day of Schenger's birthday at the Chief Albert Lutuli um, International Convention Center. This is now September 2018 on the occasion then of Schenger's 90th birthday. So I have an abiding memory of Mamu Kumalo, and unfortunately she's not longer around with us but the beauty of musicians certainly is that while physically they might not be with us they certainly are with us because you can hear them and they put you in a good mood a lot of the time music or it takes you on a journey whatever the journey might be so uh, the true gift of artists especially those in this context of music they they really have an abiding relationship with those who appreciate their music even when they no longer are with us i mean the legends among them, Hugh Masegela, he's still very much a part of South African culture. Jonas Gwangwandi Malandonina. Nonetheless, it is the hashtag Tuesday takeover for today. It is Tuesday. The time is 14 minutes after 20 hours. Good evening to all of you. My name is Songezoma Beta here on SAFM Viewpoint. Now, my guest, Managing Director of JT Communication Solutions, Vanessa Perumal, is in studio. And I must say, I am so glad. Vanessa is here. We spoke to her a couple of years ago. Things were very difficult for her then, but nonetheless, as she was then, she was strong, committed, and fighting. She continues to do that. Vanessa, thank you so much for being here. It's good to see you. You're fighting fit. You are healthy, but my goodness, you've been through it all, haven't you? So this is my artificial voice. Do, do your listeners know that I have an artificial voice? And that I've had cancer three years, four months ago. And you interviewed me about the first time when I started speaking about a year after my cancer. So thank you for having me on the show, Songeza. Thank you for being here. We used to have a segment here on the show that was called the Hashtag Health on Monday. And we spent a lot of time dedicating at least half an hour on every Monday show to just engaging health issues, health questions. Cancer featured a lot of the time, and particularly around October being Cancer Awareness Month and all of that. This is just as good a time to have a hashtag health on Monday conversation for the next five minutes because it is once one, as in my case now, I'm seeing you. It's real. There's a story. There's a person behind the story. There's a full context. And there's also a story of triumph, triumph of the human spirit, the human mind, an indefatigable one at that, you, Vanessa Peromal. Talk to us about the trials, but more especially the triumphs that get you to be where you are now. I'm going to talk about the triumphs because my story is so well documented. As an entrepreneur, to still be able to have JT Communications, now 19 years old, start its legacy building years mm -hmm. on the backbone of people like Sibongile Komalo who was one of my best friends, one of my personal friends, who died on the 28th of uh, January, 2021. In fact, Aisha's going to be in the court just now. Sibongile, SK as we called her, led the prayer team when I was in ICU. And then Jonas Gwangwa died, he was a client of ours. 
Uh, we worked with Brayuma uh, Sikele. He passed away. Mom mm. Dorothy passed away. And the list continues to grow with Gloria. In fact, when Mom Sylvia passed away the other day, I just realized I worked at the Baxter Theater on Sisters on International Women's Day. And on that stage, Mom Tandy passed away. Gloria, Mom Sylvie, SK, and Dorothy Masuku. So whether I'm good enough, oh my gosh. You know, it's a hard one because some of the most prolific artists on the planet used to be home to JT Combs. And it's been difficult years with COVID and cancer. But what I love is my community arriving. And what I love is the resilience of the South African um, nation mm. amidst hard trials that we can be kind, that we can arise just in the last 48 hours. A journalist by the name of Nirian Tolsi, one of the most prolific writers possibly in the world, his girl uh, got his cancer for the third time and he wasn't paid out by his employee, the male and guardian is a consultant. And obviously there'll be a lot of comeback and discovery health, which I would love to have a conversation about uh, medical cover in this country is under scrutiny for one of his policies. And to see that 300,000 was raised within two days gives me hope that we are the people we've been waiting for. That's what encourages me. You're smiling as you say that because there's a flicker somewhere that you are relying on or reflecting on or you're seeing. What is that? You know, I call your, myself... Your eyes lit up when you said that. I call myself a first-generation black woman entrepreneur in gig economies. And I'm so delighted at my age to have met people called darkies in tech. In this network of about 250 people, it's a close network are some of the finest minds I've met in my lifetime, all black excellence, founders in startup companies. And I'm encouraged that they are a generation that will end corruption in this continent and will arise to be the leaders that we deserve. I'm encouraged by the entrepreneurs who are ethical in job creation. I'm encouraged by those that will start to do right the right thing because I'm so sick and tired of corruption and mediocrity. Aren't we all, eh? It's, it's exhausting. And it steals. It steals our experiences. It steals our present and it certainly steals our future. And it gives us less to look forward to and it consumes our energies in the wrong or negative way, corruption. 100%. And then we forget to tell the good stories. Sure, sure. And there are in, plenty out there. And like me, like JT Combs, he's 19 years old. 70% of our income has come from the creative industries. I've just done a, uh, I'm on the Duke Facet uh, IWFSA program where I myself find myself fighting for inclusivity and economic transformation. But I did an essay on uh, breaking glass ceilings. And I was so encouraged to quote my master, Mishlangu. I was so encouraged to quote the first female executive board at Samro, who are leading the change. I was encouraged to look at Tando Tabete. I was encouraged to look at Banyana Banyana. Mm, mm. These are the stories we need to tell not, and I can't stand Dr. Nanipa. 
I feel like breaking my damn TV every time I watch her on TV. So, you know, we because? do we, because she harbored a rapist and a criminal and she gets all this airtime with Besta, whereas great narratives and storytelling is has to play second fiddle to us continuously fixing and my daughter who's with me in the studio who's doing a PhD let's listen to me the mother throwing this in proper proper proper, proper. I tell you shameless that's what we call in Nimba by the way exactly what you are doing that's in Nimba at play so okay, she holds me to account and she says do better stop uh, stop using platforms that can encourage nation building and transformation you know, make an effort to tell better stories so that we have case studies of great African leadership. So I'm held to account on so many levels. And it's so frustrating because you try to do the right thing and at the same time your cash flow come end of the month. Budgets have dwindled. PR has really taken second fiddle. Journalists and media workers are, I think, more in battle than any other ecosystem right now. And waking up in South Africa, those of us who, even through my cancer, need to behave like the leaders we are meant to be. Because in every generation, you need to occupy seats. And I recognize, in fact, in the last few months, I've been thinking, it's going to be important for people like us to get into governments, to start working in public sector, and to start fixing the mess. Because we're supposed to be the people that we've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's time to stand for elections. Maybe it's time to get onto boards. Um, you know, and one of the things I've done tonight, I could have brought anybody onto the show. And I decided to walk my own talk. I mean, uh, you listen to one of my guests. I thought of who will I bring onto the show and I need to start walking my talk. Hold that thought. Because this is your show, actually. So more about that on the other side of the short break. Because you have been brought in precisely because of your voice, your perspectives, your experiences, and your outlook. And the SAFM family, I absolutely have no doubt, are looking forward to you. I'll tell you for free, this segment is by far the most successful segment in the two days that we have, Monday and Tuesday, at the slot, 20 to 22 hours on SAFM. Precisely because it's a different voice every Tuesday for the first hour. Yours is no less important than all the many hundreds of voices we have had preceding this evening. So thank you so much for honoring the invitation. And we certainly look forward to you engaging our listenership and going a route we've never been before precisely because you're the first time now taking over on SAFM. And you at home, thank you so much for your loyalty and your support. You know what to do, especially after this short break. 086-000-2032-0614-104-107. That's the number to text us or send your voice notes. And you've got the drill. Nothing over a minute for the text. I mean, for the voice note. And your texts are respectful, albeit robust. Thanks for your time, everybody. Until the top of the hour, Vanessa Perumal on The Viewpoint. Hashtag Tuesday Takeover.
It's been 25 years since the groundbreaking 1998 white paper on local government was adopted, and it's now time to reflect and chart our path forward. The South African Local Government Association, SALGA, will host its National Members' Assembly, happening at the Birchwood Hotel and Conference Centre in Ekuruleni on the 5th and 6th of September 2023. The two-day gathering will be curated around the theme, building a sustainable, responsive and people-centred local government. This will be a convergence of public representatives from all spheres of government. Cabinet ministers, executive mayors, councillors and more, all under one roof. Don't miss out, therefore, on the discussions. Follow these on Salga's social media platforms under the hashtags Citizens First and hashtag Inspiring Service Delivery. Salga, Inspiring Service Delivery. on SAFM. Good evening, everyone. My name is Vanessa Perumal. And no, I'm not an old man. I have an artificial voice called NTEP. And um, it's an artificial insertion since I lost my vocal cords to cancer three years, four months ago. And I'm really delighted to be sitting in Songhisa's chair. Oh my God, guys. Like, like really awesomely so, taking over the show. You know, uh, I'm grateful for a lot of things. But I'm mostly grateful when my voice is given an opportunity to speak. And when I was asked on a topic, in fact, we were going to do this next week, I chose entrepreneurship, collaboration, and networks. And deep in my soul is uh, intention and purpose. How do we move from a nation in battle? How do we look at entrepreneurship as the opportunity to uh, to answer so many of the problems and job create and offer financial inclusion. And I'm very delighted that uh, a good friend, but an entrepreneur and a network enabler, Irisha Luanga is on the call with me. She's joining me now. And you would never believe that someone like me that fights for black excellence and for black women to occupy spaces and building a legacy for the girl child we'll never see to be intentional to invite a gentleman by the name of Geert van Sale. Geert is a venture capital investor uh, and very progressive as a financial investor. He's a uh, breaking ground in raising capital and he has many um, highlights to his name, including we should talk about Stellenbosch and the Stellenbosch Mafia, but I like two things about him. One, that he worked with Mark uh, uh, Shuttleworth, and two, he told me when we met quite by accident at Darkies in Tech event that he too is a cancer survivor. And the reason I chose Irisha uh, is one of the people I wanted to speak to. She physically occupied a space for JT Communications when I was in hospital and I was in ICU. But more than that, when she found the BE funding and the ESD funding, she took me through the front door and to the table. Welcome, kids. Welcome, Arisha. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. For inviting us. Looking forward to this discussion. So before we go, Arisha, maybe you start. Tell us what you do and who you are, and maybe then Kate will take over. 
Sure, thank you. So my name is Arisha. I'm the founder of a company called Redefine Human Capital. We are an HR consulting firm. Um, our focus is on coaching, coaching of entrepreneurs across Africa. Um, for the last five to six years, our focus has been on women entrepreneurs. And um, the reason why we focus on women is because the barriers for women <coughs> entrepreneurs are quite unique. Um, and yeah, we love what we do. Um, in terms of the coaching, we focus on the, the bottom line, which is really about profitability as well as creating sustainable businesses for these women. Um, we also help increase their self-confidence, enhance leadership skills, and develop strategic thinking ability. And that's the natural. Thank you, Arisha. And Kit, you tell us how you find yourself on the seat. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a venture capitalist. Um, that means a lot of things to, to a lot of people in South Africa, but basically just passionate about entrepreneurship. We have a business called Nice Capital, where we invest in um, innovation-driven, so mainly technology entrepreneurs with proven traction. And um, yeah, I think through that you meet many, many, many interesting and inspiring people, including um, yourself, Vanessa, where we met at a Darkies and Tech event which I'm sure we will unpack some of the some of the outcomes and the discussions there which were robust. But basically the short version, I'm like you, a passionate South African that believes the answer lies in our entrepreneurs who are not only create jobs, they foster innovation and so forth. Um, that basically is the end result of a economic upturn. And thank you and both of you are in the hot seat. So Aisha, thanks to you for teaching me about black economic empowerment and talking to me about enterprise development spend because JT Communications in our first 12 years to 15 years was able to walk into a captive market and in this in captive market we had year and year business we had uh, recurring business and word of mouth businesses so we never ever needed to ever look for work we just had a surplus of work, obviously, working with the likes of you, Masikele, Jonas Kwangwa, Sibongile Kumalo, some of the biggest music markets in the world, and working from what many governments, bilateral to bilateral, producing content, we took a stand to represent black excellence. And for us, it was important that the media transforms and tell a better story about black lives and why they matter. So when I met you, Irisha, we were starting to struggle in the music industry because technology already had started to raise its very disruptive head. And fortunately for JTCOMS, we were financially robust enough to be able to be ahead of the curb in many, many ways. We had launched the African Media Resource Center and we had played with technology long before that. But Irisha, when you spoke to me about black economic empowerment, I had met Kiet at the, in Pompas Road uh, in Sarko had organized a Dark Kids in Tech event. And I said to him before that, Kiet, are you a PE? What's your BE standing? And now we're going to talk, you and I, am I going to be your partner? And he said, yes, we're going to talk. And so entrepreneurship is about trust and networks. And both of you arrived today. So maybe you break down this opportunity for us, Aidisha, as entrepreneurs. Are we failing? Is there hope for us? Where are the opportunities and how do we tap into them? 
Okay, sure. So I, I love looking at data. So I think the, the data tells an amazing story. So I mean, if we look at SMEs in South Africa at the moment, they contribute 34% towards the GDP. And SMEs represent more than 90% of the businesses and employ about 50% in terms of the country's workforce. So for me, that's, that's really impressive stats in terms of SMEs. And when I speak to entrepreneurs to understand what their barriers are, their barriers are quite, you know, quite similar. So access to markets, um, funding, um, you know, not having enough clients or diversified clients, liquidity and cash flow management. So they're not able to, you know, make the best use of the available capital to scale their operations. So it's quite similar in terms of, of, of barriers to, to market. Last week, I actually had a, I spoke at an HR um, event, and I, and I said, government is actually committed to spending um, 1.4 trillion over the next three years for both higher and basic education. So that's education. And in terms of corporate Africa, I mean, I, I can't imagine what the spend is, and I, and I tried to do research to Google it. But if you look at organizations where, um, you know, if they're working according to the generic um, codes uh, in terms of the triple B scorecard, they could be spending between 3 and 6% of the annual payroll and skills development program. And that is just mind-blowing if you had to think about that. And, and for me, um, ESD is really about creating an ecosystem. And... And I mentioned this in, in, in the discussion that I had last week when I was presenting to say that I wish companies would not look at skills, ESD, um, in silos. It's about how do you create this ecosystem in terms of your supplier development, um, but also how do you look within the organization either to upskill your current staff to be entrepreneurs, not entrepreneurs, so your current staff to now go out and, and, and be creative and kind of innovative ideas and take responsibility for turning those ideas into a new product and service in the comfort of working for a corporate. But how do you also look after the supply chain? Because a lot of entrepreneurs that I've spoken to, you know, they say they go through quite a tedious process of getting all the documentation to company X and, you know, uh, in short of um, giving the company their blood, you know, um, they then get put onto the supply chain, but then they get told they need to go through an incubator process. And that in itself, the incubation BIs aren't necessarily really based in South Africa. So they go on this 12-month program not to receive anything significant of attendance. And then after that, they're still hoping that they are going to get work. And then that doesn't happen or it's very limited. So I think within the public sector, also, in the private sector, there needs to be a focus in terms of how do um, entrepreneurs get orientated onto their supply chain, but actually get given the work and get supported as well in terms of not necessarily delivering, but how do they, uh, how how best can they actually deliver the work? Um, I don't think entrepreneurs need to go through an incubator. I mean, we're not chickens. It's quite interesting because when I look at incubators. Um, I, I, I found that they're not very customized. So you have someone who's got a PhD in an incubator and you've got someone who's a startup. So the maturity of the business is not taken into consideration as an example or the business turnover or the sector or the industry. So 
So I think there's lots within that space, within the ESD space that needs to be considered. And one size does not fit all. Okay, let's hold, the con- let's hold the conversation there. If you want to call in, call on 86 or send a voice note text to 614 104 I think I just stopped at a good place because you seem to have a methodology and a system where you are looking at founders and in the startup venture capital space and you have data that you are aligning and are looking at your grind, grindstone program. From my vantage, the fact that you are able to raise all these series of funding outside the country, you have a, a methodology that you can teach us. Am I correct in saying this? Yeah, so um, I think there's a lot of good points there. I think from a, from a systemized, I mean, looking at the data, if you, if you think about female entrepreneurs and black entrepreneurs in South Africa, there is a notion that they are over-mentored and underfunded, you know? So to a, to a, in, in a way, there's just so much focus on entrepreneurship and every podium that a politician or a corporate stands on talks about, you know, job creation. And so everyone is sort of aligned when it comes to talking the talk. But when you ask the entrepreneurs, like, do they actually... Um, you know, as the point was made earlier, what do they need? They need clients and they need funding, especially if it's a high-growth business. So the one that we have with South African entrepreneurs is that not it, it, the word entrepreneur doesn't mean the same things to the same people. Like, for instance, you are, I am looking at it from a venture capital perspective. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert, I guess, on high-growth entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurs that are technology-based, scalable, creating high growth, high impact, high jobs. I'm not an expert on a sort of entrepreneur that's only going to like really have one or two employees, you know, so, and that's also needed. So the SME space is wide. Um, I think the point was very well made earlier that we need targeted programs that targeted entrepreneurs. However, the opportunity is so amazing in our country because on the one hand, you have a well-established corporate base, you have a well-established stock exchange, you have an incentive for those businesses to do business with small businesses, you know, through a very well-developed BEE system, which has points for smaller businesses, for enterprise development, for all of that kind of stuff. So money needs to flow to small business. Now, if it is well implemented which and not abused, one can actually take advantage of that. And then now on the other end where the, where the challenge lies is, People want to back entrepreneurs with proven traction um, because on the one hand, there's risk there and, you know, big corporates are not going to necessarily take a chance on smaller businesses. Um, and that's where the market failure lies. And so, yet we're going to go into a break in the next few seconds as you speak. No, exactly. So that's the market failure and that's the opportunity and that's where the black tech entrepreneurs are and they need early stage risk funding desperately because they will show us how it's done. And the, and the black entrepreneurs is where I would like to focus uh, because, Kiet, you make quite a few points and it seems that nobody is able to police the space to see if there's delivery. And, in fact, Irisha, in the incubator space also, but let's go to a break and we'll come back shortly. Tuesday Takeover on The Viewpoint. 
Songezo Mapete on SAFM. Thank you for waiting, Adisha and Kiet. Just before the break, both of you raised important points. And Adisha spoke about the incubation system and how it's so self-defeating on so many levels. And Kiet spoke about the access to opportunity. I mean, an agency like JT Communications, we have won the President's Award as the best SMME with a leader with a social disability. And the last, and you would not believe it was just six months ago, we have struggled to get to a cash flow or to a market or a resource center that builds into our business. We want to start a media center and um, up our skills in media training for entrepreneurs. We launch in EC Africa as a tech enabler to uberize entrepreneurship in a geolocation. But yet, even someone like me is one of the most senior entrepreneurs in the country who has a measurable success rate, who's turned over several millions, who's self-funded and a self-starter, has to find ourselves in an incubation program. And when I spoke to the president on the 18th of April, at the union building, he said to us when he sees us next, you know, we should come up with programs that will be able to be effective to support entrepreneurship at our need. Why do you think, Irisha, that we keep on being pulled into entre- into incubation programs? Where is the funding for us? Where's the market access? Thank you for the question. So I, I, I look at this from a point of there's not enough measurement in terms of the impact of investing in entrepreneurs. So if I look at ESD as well as skills, large corporates would give a third party excess of money to, to put the entrepreneur through a program to get them ready to be a supplier. But where's the measurement even post the incubation, even post the investment? Um, in terms of the return of investment, how are these entrepreneurs um, measured in terms of paying forward in terms of their own community, in terms of, you know, you've just got this 10 million rand tender or whatever. How is this How is this measured? I read an article yesterday actually on LinkedIn about um, some fintechs um, across Africa where, you know, these um, companies are being funded by large foundations and international organizations and yet the CEOs were driving these fancy cars and what was happening to the what was happening to the employees. So quite interesting. My question my my answer to you, um, Vanessa, is I don't think there's enough focus on the impact of investing in these organizations. Um, and this speaks to skills development as well as um, supporting entrepreneurs or putting entrepreneurs on, on supply chains. Thank you. Get do you have to be a white man coming from Stellenbosch to still succeed in a new South Africa? Or is there a change in this trajectory? And if so, where's the help and how? Yeah, a lot of a lot of questions in that sentence. But no, you don't have to be. I mean, I think it, it, as, as all privilege, it does help. Um, but it does, it does also have its dark side. So, so I think it's not... I think we are beyond that as a country, but we're not helping us to help ourselves. You know, I think... We're also measuring the wrong stuff. I and mean, when it comes to, let's say, incubation, um, we talk, the point was made that the two things that are needed are this market access and funding. So, 
you know, why why would on earth would an incubator or an accelerator not have those two things as an outcome, which is what Nice Capital's accelerator model, which is called Grindstone, has. You know, we take we take 20 companies a year. I think now 30. Our latest cohort is, is, is all women. Um, the majority of our cohorts are 50% black-owned tech businesses, and we have and, and specific outcomes for those businesses. And the outcome is market access. So clients. So we we, we partner with the corporates on, on actually connecting the clients. And then we also partner with the ecosystem around the funding side of early stage funding. I think we've raised and counting 2.2 billion um, rands for, for these businesses over the years. And um, and we've invested ourselves. So the not so secret agenda is for nice capital to invest in some of them but um, and Grindstone Ventures. But the other, the other thing is just to collaborate. So I think if one collaborates, measures the right stuff, um, it does become actually a, a positive thing. But no, I think there's a lot of good programs, but just like we do due diligence, which is another word for homework on entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs are also at, at fault of joining the wrong programs and partnering with the wrong investors, and they must do a bit more homework and diligence on who they partner with. And otherwise, they are also not going to be a successful entrepreneur. Okay, but you have success, and someone like me, I consider myself successful. But there are areas that we can lend support to the country in your opinion, Giet, what should be done better? Who should be held to account? And my big question to you, because you know what success looks like and could be like, how do you use your networks and tap into Darkies in Tech now, EC Africa people like me? How do we influence knowledge? How do we de- de- democrat? Oh, my cancer voice doesn't allow me to say democratize. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we democratize uh, the end of mediocrity? How do we make fairness in business something that it's mandatory in this country? How do we eliminate crookery and criminality? How do we bring these standards to market, Kit? Before I answer that, I must just say I'm I'm very proud of you with an artificial voice uh, handling an whole hour of radio oh programming. It's amazing. These words, so, um, the big words. so um but yeah, how do we do that? I think just as South Africans by by continue to to just be awesome. You know, like I think the the anyone who's depressed about South Africa um needs to just spend a bit of time in, in, in my seat. You know, I'm I'm inspired on a weekly basis by amazing entrepreneurs from all walks of life. And how do we democratize that and make it more accessible and all that is just by not giving up by trying to provide the right resources to these entrepreneurs, which are very simple what they need. You know, they, they need more easier access to early stage funding. Unfortunately, there's a commercial reality on that, and therefore we need to continue to lobby and help under, government understand what, what can be done. The pension funds, there's so much money in this country which goes towards companies that already kind of are semi-successful, they don't need more money. Companies which are up and coming like yourselves, like other entrepreneurs, need, need you know, a, a sort of a more easily access to growth funding. You know, it's not, it's not asking for money. It's just saying, here's an opportunity. I'm inviting you into my company and to grow the business. And we can just learn from Silicon Valley, Israel, UK, East Africa, Nigeria. Much easier for those entrepreneurs to get access to capital. So, you know, it's a, it's a, 
it's a very longer conversation to be had on exactly how to do it, but let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's take the, the amazing entrepreneurs we have and give them the support that we know they need. I mean, we don't need another research report to figure out where the gaps are. Um, we just need to, to, to close them. And that, that becomes with easier access to early stage funding at the startup phase, seed and pre-series A. I mean, those are technical terms, but like really how to get out of the starting blocks. And there it is e- easier for um, you know, some demographic or entrepreneur in South Africa to get some money from a, a rich uncle or so forth where it's diff- more difficult for others, you know. So let's focus on how to how to close that gap. It's not that complicated. And uh, the, the producer saying, tell people that my name is Vanessa Perumal and I'm taking over the Tuesday Takeover. Thank you, kid, for that uh, round of possibilities of how we solve problems. And before Arisha speaks... Please call in on 086-000-2032 or the voice, voice note is 0614-104-107. And I see a, I see a message coming. Uh, um, let me read this. What is in the, the question is, given the current climate worldwide, what are the states of venture, uh, of ventures and what are the gaps in the market? And how do we move forward? That's the one question that's come through. And what is the current state of entrepreneurship? And what role does BE play? And I think we've uh, tried to answer that. Irisha, through Entrepreneur Connect Africa, which is um, the network we've created as a collective, one of the things we want to do when we launch our MVP is to have a central space where we can have focus on good stories as well as a marketplace but also to have case studies in your opinion in hr and in the world you live in what does success look like to you and what sectors do you think is doing it well and which entrepreneurs do you believe are breaking glass ceilings in this country Are you with me, Arisha, or did we lose her? No, I'm here. Thank you so much for the question. I just want to mute for a second. Um, so I know Geert mentioned the fact that, you know, we, entrepreneurs should have money. Uh, we should just give them money, you know, but that's not what all that entrepreneurs need to create a successful business. And I'm going to answer your question, Vanessa. Um, I looked at, and I mentioned earlier that I love stats because, the stats tell a narrative, they tell, they tell the truth, they tell the story. So there's a Swiss-based Institute of Management Development, the IMD. They run a competitiveness yearbook annually where they look at countries globally to see who, which countries are the most productive. And um, they just released their, their stats in June 2023. And so we were ranked, South Africa was ranked 61 out of 64 countries. Um, last year, we ranked 60 out of 63 countries. So what does this mean? They, this particular institute looks at about 346 distinct criteria, which they then group into four factors, which is economic performance, government efficiency, business efficiency, and infrastructure. And based on that, we then get a ranking, which means out of 64 countries, we are rated or ranked 61 most unproductive. So yes, you can give entrepreneurs money. You can do angel investments. Or, but the fact of the matter is there needs to be a shift in the way we do business with each other. There needs to be a shift in what we think is success for an organization. 
you know, if we look at countries that were rated one to five, you know, and Denmark was rated one, Switzerland second, Singapore third, it's not to copy and paste what they've done in our country, but it's to look at what is the best practice globally and why in South Africa we are so far behind in terms of best practice. Are we still speaking the same narrative that we spoke 30 years ago? The fact that we've got the highest youth unemployment rate in the world, the fact that during COVID our average unemployment rate, Bloomberg says it was the highest in the world, and I don't agree with that figure, but that's what was out there, put out there. So in terms of success, for me, a successful organization is an organization that looks after their staff, that is sustainable, that is profitable, that looks after their community, that pays it forward. Um, and for me, and yes, money, money is key, but it's not the driving factor. And I think perhaps the way we're packaging entrepreneurship and what we are communicating to be seen as a, as a successful entrepreneur, that definition needs to be re-looked at. And I want so to I hope that answers your question. Well, I like that we're looking at opportunities because I think we want to look at pipelines where we can create market access and we can uh, collaborate with big businesses and corporations. I will tell you, when we were struggling, especially in the last three months, we approached some of our friends in networks and Nomsa Intelleco from OS Holdings said to me, fine, I will give you funding to keep the media center open. I'm happy to pay the rent. And I thought, wow, this is another way of looking at it. Last night I spoke to my way to from Fixer. They've just raised 300000 And I said to him, would you consider doing PR with us? And I have a conversation with Kurt when we go to Cape Town, uh, hopefully face to face. And this is something we've been speaking for a long time. And the fact that we were able to raise 300000 for Niran in the last two days. Kurt is a business leader or something that I would like to have done is to match, say, a dozen entrepreneurs in every quarter with captains of industry like uh, you do with the private sector. How do we get to these kind of possibilities? Because I think in a new South Africa 29 years later, there are those of us who are going to need much more help to get to the table instead of always having to create a new table. What suggestions do you think can work for us? Well, um, entrepreneurs need, uh, I think the point was also well made, it doesn't, they don't need necessarily money, they need clients. And if we just actually collaborate and buy from each other, understand which products could be done, whether it is um, PR, whether it's communication, whether it's products, tech, I mean, ticketing, um, anything. I mean, we've got pretty much a, a host of startups that can, that can assist there, but we just don't think cleverly enough and innovatively enough about how we spend our money, you know, personally and business-wise. And if we just buy, I mean, all the startups want, even, I mean, by personal experience, is that please just buy our products. That's what we need. And then this whole thing will come. Then we get money, then we revenue funded. We don't have to give equity away. We don't have to beg for money and, and to go through due diligence. And then we can raise money for the right opportunity. But this is about the African narrative and Africans not buying from each other. It's an age-old problem. And I, yep. wanted, and I wanted to ask you, Kiet, the fact that you're a VC funder, why don't you, such, example, look at the 10 biggest problems, load shedding, potholes in South Africa, takeovers of buildings. How do we then, why don't you lead the conversation 
speak to governments or with us, even we should do the same. Identify the 10 top problems and then get tech enablers and startups to build solutions around these problems. But we also have a measurable a barometer. I've not seen that done before. Are these conversations happening? They are happening, but um, not not successfully because engaging, yeah, and engaging with government. And I'm now generalizing. There are some excellent, um, you know, people that we engage with on policy level. On, but you know, it's a it's a long burn, and some of us are some of us are busy building our own businesses. You know, <laughs> but yeah, that is a very good it's a oh. very good closing conversation for sure. But I but there's a question for you here. Yet they say, please ask yet. What is the biggest challenge with getting more early-stage capital invested in South African startups? You mentioned lobbying in this regard. May you please share more information around this? Who are you lobbying? I think, yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is uh, the economics Kiet, Kiet, of the, Kiet just given us yeah. a second. We're going into news and you'll answer the question after news. Okay, cool. Tuesday Takeover on The Viewpoint. On the viewpoint. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up now and we're going to go back to Kiat on his final words and to answer that question. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the conversation. Kiat, are you still with me? I'm with you. You're, you're maybe you want to answer the question that was sent in and your final words. Yeah, I think the question is, you know, what is the biggest challenge of getting um, funding into early stage businesses, and and who who is being lobbied in that regard? So it's a it's a it's a complex answer, but the short version is really that venture capital or investing in early stage businesses is not a recognised asset class, and what that just means is people who have money need to responsibly look after that money and invest it well carefully in a risk adjusted basis into different places. Now, venture capital, and it's a little bit linked to some of the things you said in the beginning of the conversation, Vanessa, we don't tell enough stories, success stories of entrepreneurs. We don't have enough data. We don't, we don't celebrate entrepreneurship as much as other stuff. So the more we can make this a forefront asset class, the more people want to invest in it and show returns in and so forth. Therefore, we need to convince the pension funds we're talking to National Treasury. We are talking to DST, Department of Science and Technology, Technology Innovation Agency, and they, and they very much do come to the party to a degree. But I think where the and and the SASME fund, for example, which is a fund of funds that invest in the space, so there are really some positive success stories. But where the damn wall will break is if we can convince the pension funds, which have large large pools of capital that mainly invest in listed in the stock exchanges and, and stocks and bonds and properties and so forth, that just a small allocation, 0.1% of their um, asset base, of their money must go towards entrepreneurs. We will transform this country. So we, we basically need, need to continue chipping away at convincing the people with the money that this is a risk worth taking not only because it'll come transform the country, but also it'll make them money. And thank you, Kurt, for joining us on the show. I look forward to engaging with you. I look forward to our future collaboration. And I also thank you for giving a company like JT Communication so much time. I do think we need peer mentoring, but we also need leadership mentoring, especially economic empowerment conversations. 
So I look forward to meeting with you later this year. And I reach her your famous last words, and I want you to understand where to from here. In Proverbs it says, until the lion tells the story, the hunter will always be the hero. So I agree with Gert. Until we do our own research, technically, um, right what's happening in the country from an entrepreneurship perspective, where the barriers are, best ways to support entrepreneurs, and, and tell our story, because we do have good stories to tell. Um, and, we, and we're going to leave you there, Arisha, because our time is up. And I thank you, and I'm so excited that both you and Kit end about talking about a new narrative and a positive narrative, because that's where JT Communication comes in. And I'm going to give the show back to the boss himself. Ah, call me a boss anytime, and you'll get more invitations. Thank oh. you so much. Vanessa, thank you so much as well to the guests. Fascinating conversation, important conversation as well. There will never not be a time to have a conversation like that, particularly when it is um, woman empowerment centered and things that are incidental there too. But finally, as we look to wrap up this conversation now at 2111, review this last hour in your life, being on air on SAFM and holding the fort and having the kinds of conversations that you are passionate about that make sense to you. You know, you told, you asked me earlier why I was smiling. Two big reasons. One, I was able to pay everybody on time. And that's a big thing in August. Yeah. You know, I started September and I paid all my suppliers, all my consultants. I'm even able to pay my gardener, my, my debt. And that was exciting to me. The second thing I'm excited about when I survived my cancer, and I say to people, I've come out of the closet for Jesus. Can you believe it? When you have cancer like me, you're like, gosh. And you know, the night I thought I was going to die, and when I did say, please send me back because you have Steve Jobs, and I was promised of time such as today. I'm excited that both Kiat and Arisha spoke about changing the narrative because as JT comes fiercely, now aggressively launches our media center back. You know, it's a white elephant at the moment. It's Peter's space where Mam Sibongile Kumalo, Mam Abigail, etc., I'd come there and spend lots of times in conversation and that we can use, I'm speaking to the, to the to CEDA for tech, technology funding. I'm excited about the fact that we can rear entrepreneurs out of media. And you certainly shall do that. And, and that's what I'm excited. To wish you all of the very best and offer our gratitude for your gracing the platform. Thank Everybody you. out there, that was the one and only Vanessa Perumal, MD of JT Communication Solutions. After the break, we continue with the show. But before we get there, in fact, no, we will do this after the break. We'll do this after the break. Let's take a break. Let's take a song. We say goodbye to our guest and we move on with the balance of the viewpoint. 47 minutes left of it for the week. <laughs> 